Good evening. This evening's Dharma talk is titled Fear and Hope, something I've talked about probably 100 years ago. I don't recall when it was, but a while back. It's an interesting topic, and there's a lot of preconceptions around it and a lot of different ways of using those words, but they're actually, uh, it's like uh, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, all the polarities. It's just another polarity of uh, hope and fear. We hope for something and we hope for that, but we fear we're not going to get it, those kinds of things. And uh, it's it's not about not, not hoping, it's not about stopping yourself, but noticing when you're headed that direction, just being aware uh, that there's some kind of a, uh, wishing for something else and wishing for something else. And it's uh, it's not, the idea isn't to stop doing that and never never have hope or stop doing that and never be fearful. But it, to include that in one's awareness so that you can, so you can be aware of that dynamic and how that dynamic uh, changes out. How, how that it is a polarity uh, that you, if you have, if you are fearful, there's probably going to be some kind of hope, some kind of wishing for something else. Or if you have hope, then uh, the difficulty with hope is if, if there's a little bit of that, then uh, that's good. But if we, we tend to kind of overdo that or overemphasize hopefulness, especially in the West. We even say it's almost like, you know, it's like indis- you can't even dispute it. We have to have hope. What, what was the one, the news reporter? Uh, what gives you hope? And so I think uh, I like to tell the story. I think it was Dick Gregory, the comedian who was uh, being interviewed by, uh, I think it was on Democracy Now. And I think Amy Goodman said, so what gives you hope? Hope? We don't need hope. Ugh. I don't waste my time with hope. I'm paraphrasing it, but it was like they was kind of aggravated. And uh, I felt real good. <laughs> because it is a it is a um it, and again it's not that we shouldn't hope for good weather or hope that the whole covid thing goes away or that the the, the terrible uh administration of uh of our, uh, our country doesn't clear up in some way hopefully in, in a really good way more reasonable and more sane so it's about being aware of that, being aware of those dynamics, the way that they show up. Uh, not so much that uh, you need to go to war with that. So don't, if there's fear, then just include that. If there's if there's uh, hopefulness happening, just include that. But don't, load, don't overload in that area and get too, uh, what is that, power positive thinking kind of thing. Too much emphasis on that. You could say, be realistic about that. The wisdom mind that is uh, talked about in the Buddha's teaching in the Buddha Dharma is, doesn't particularly uh, emphasize that. Even though we might pray to save all beings, we might have some kind of hope, hopefulness going on there, possibly. But both of those dynamics tend to shut down on or cover up our wisdom mind. What is the wisdom mind? That which sees deeply and clearly into everything and sees that everything is dependently arisen. This is what you're training yourself to do. If you're practicing this path, you are training your mind to see the truth yourself. There's nothing here to believe. If you're 
believing in Buddhism. I'm not going to argue with those Buddhist teachers who are taking a different approach to this, but it is a non-theistic path. There is no savior. There is no one out there. And if you want to take that further, there's no one in here either. In other words, not separate. You don't need, I don't know how else to say it, but you don't need an identity. I'm not saying you don't need a name. So is on Jim, Fred, Ed, Mary, Dale, Elizabeth. That's not their names. <laughs> not giving out names to protect the innocent. But you can function just fine without the reference point uh, of a name in uh, in that we're attached to the name, we're attached to the identity. We're a we're a PhD, or we're or we're um, in this case we're a, a Buddhist monk or a, a transmitted priest. We have those credentials, and and they may be necessary in some regard, but not not fundamentally. You don't need the credential of knowing the truth. You don't need a credential of being someone who has realized what the Buddha was pointing out, what the Buddhist teachers down through the centuries are pointing out, that everything is dependently risen. They're not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I'm saying that what you're looking at is not something else. But if you're struggling with that, if you think there's something else, then we tend to get aligned with the body-mind complex, which of course is impermanent and not going to last. And then we become fearful. And then we're concerned about uh, death of ourselves or of our family, friends, relations, even Sangha members, children for that matter. And it's not to go the other way and be very stoic and nothing ever bothers me and come up with some kind of an identity where nothing bothers you. We're not saying, I'm not saying it won't bother you. I'm just saying that the bother just like passion, aggression, and ignorance, you don't have to get—you don't have to get rid of those. Just see that there's no entity called me that is experiencing that. That experience is experiencing itself, and it's—it's it's such a powerful consciousness is so incredibly, incredibly powerful in in its way of not being separate from anything that it can fundamentally be anything. As it says in our first precept or tenet in the order of immediate light, consciousness always finds its own form. You could say, oh yeah, well, so. Or you could say, what do you mean by that? And then I would say, I would just repeat it. <laughs> say, think about it, reflect on it, contemplate that. I don't know how to say it any more clearly than that, other than there isn't anything else. The duality that we are completely magnetized and seduced into over and over, our thought, thought forms, our, our love and hate relationship, our, uh, the negativity that rises unbeckoned or unsummoned out of the consciousness with no, no apparent cause. It's sometimes it's so uh, stark, it's so negative and so stark that we we can't stand to not have a name. So we, 
we look through our in our culture and what is everybody calling us? They're calling it depression. So then we'll we'll call it depression. But if 15 people all calling something depression probably are all dealing with something totally different. Anything from uh, some biological thing that has to do with the chemicals in their body that could be happening that's it's on what diagnosed just because it's it's so um, hidden up to some kind of abuse that happened when you were three or four years old that you pushed down away so you, so you don't have to think about it so it doesn't isn't painful and then it surfaces uh, through uh, up the back stairway with no no description of who sent it or where it came from, but it's just intense. If you think, or if you assume, or if you believe that you are somebody that can get ahead, you are somebody that can fail and you are somebody that can live or somebody that can die. I'm not saying this isn't relatively true. Of course it's relatively true, it's everywhere. The whole world is talking about success, be successful, get an education. Don't eat that, that's bad for you. It's just rampant all over the place, people with their advice. And the advice that's coming from this old man is train your mind. Don't take anybody's word for anything, including mine, even the Buddhas. Even the Buddha, uh, when he was uh, passing away, and I don't know what the Sanskrit was or the Pali that he actually said, but basically you need to do this. Uh, work it, work this out. Put some energy into it. Work this out. I've, I've told you all I can tell you. Now you need to work out your salvation with diligence or some fancy kind of translation of it like that. But just you need to do this. The Buddha can't give you this. The Dharma teacher can't give you this. You can't even give it to yourself, but you can uncover it. And watching the hope and fear, watching the grasping hope and watching the fear or the ignorance or the shutting down, which can manifest in any one of the three poisons. And so far as you can, just observe. And if you're a meditator, which everyone here is, then you're, you're going, to, going to be able to, because of the training, you're going to be able to observe much more precisely and even delicately because you've been doing this, because you've sat down with the mind and watched the mind come and go, come and go, watch the thought patterns come up, as irritating as they can be, as raw and rugged as they can be, as, a, as abrasive or as, a, as a hypnotic as they can be, by watching that and not adding anything to it, that which is observing, that aspect of the consciousness, it may not, may not be your wisdom mind or your Buddha nature, but it is not far away from it. And it's that which just receives, just, just here, here this is, you have these uh, sense organs receive without particularly adding on to it or being hopeful, being fearful. But if you are, then just watch that. No challenges. No, nothing to repair. That's a hard one because, and I say this quite often because it's, there, there's nothing to fix. It sure seems like it though, when things are going awry and we're confused or we're 
we're giving ourselves a hard time or we're giving somebody else a hard time or we're even giving ourselves a hard time about how we can't help but give somebody else a hard time. We can't help but just object to that or whatever, fight with that situation, even though we can see probably not a good idea to modif try to modify someone else's confusion based on, based on our misunderstanding of not only their confusion, but of our own confusion. Less is better. Simple. I'm not sure which one of the precepts that is. The precept. I'm trying to see who is not smiling. So we do it with the awareness. We we train our awareness so that we can see clearly, and we also study uh, the study concepts. We study the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links, and all the other extensions all over the place. Uh, Buddha's Dharma, as you know, you can go, these days, you can go uh, uh, any, any bookstore, uh, book finder, or Amazon, or any one of the organizations that sell um, Buddhist book, wisdom books, or Snow Lion, or North Point Press, or any of those, and they've got dozens, of, if not hundreds, of books on Buddhism by all kinds of teachers. Have any questions? Don't you? The, I think they're called the bandits of hope and fear. Yes, the bandits of hope and fear. I'm wondering what that. Exactly what they're called. What? How, how do they function in such a way that they're called bandits? And especially, hmm. how is that different from the three poisons? So I think the the what is being uh, in that kind of a teaching or using it as a metaphor, it's like I think I used when I talked about that earlier. That it's like wisdom is like a a centaur. Uh, going through the forest, and these gremlins come out of nowhere, hope and fear, and they tag team and destroy the 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 uh, the, the, uh, the autonomy, the simplicity, and the the direction of this using this same image of the centaur going through the forest. They're bandits. They come in and they steal the wisdom mind of that being. It's just a just a story. So they, the fear clouds and, and hope uh, also clouds because we, the, the downside, uh, we already, already know the upside of hope is we, we feel better. We start to be hopeful of something. Things are looking up. I'm feeling more hopeful. But the downside of it is hope tends to kind of cloud the perception or the acumen or even the wisdom of that which is just seeing what is occurring, just seeing what is uh, moving this way or that. Fear does the same thing. We get so fearful that we we don't want to have any more nerve endings, so we start shutting down on them. We start ignoring, so that we we're not so that we don't feel threatened. <clears throat> and again, th this is the difficult part. I think uh, it's not about correcting that. It's not about not being fearful or not being hopeful. It's just be aware of when that kind of a quality. 
fear comes up or or some kind of grasping, some kind of uh, hopefulness about something. We're not trying to do away with it. We're not trying to be turned into rocks, particularly. So go on. And so. Or ends. <laughs> Get my hope, ends and my owns mixed up. Yes. Is hope similar to or the same as optimism? If the, if the basis of it, if the basis of it is a relative basis, then it, it can't last. Uh, optimism with no, with no basis would be closer to what uh, uh, is uh, referred to in, Buddha, in uh, Buddhist teaching as bliss. It's not an emotion. And it's just a fundamental understanding that, sees, that doesn't see anything to correct because everything is dependently arisen. So there's complete respect. This doesn't mean that you miss this person completely mistreating all these people or even hurting someone or killing someone. You don't miss that. But you also see uh, the standard idea there is to say like a big, you see a big picture. It's, you don't even see a big picture because pictures have frames. There's no, there's no otherness to it. There's no big picture. There's just this and you're not separate from it. And you're looking right at it with all of the sense fields. More? Is um is 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 a sort of a, a hopefulness? Um, can there be hope without a particular thing to be hoping for? Or does that cross into optimism? Yeah. It, it's it's a state of mind. Uh, the, the, anytime you have a state of mind, it's not going to last. The most wonderful state of mind is going, going down because it's dependently arisen. The most uh, uh, positive, negative, neutral, no matter what it is, won't last. And you will be you will go from hope into disappointment. And that's why. Uh, Trungpa uh, Rinpoche at one point described the Buddhist path as uh, as uh, one disappointment after after another until the final disappointment, which is which is uh, realization itself. When ego, when the self-centeredness realizes it's not going to it's not going to be able to uh, be included in that awakening in that in that seeing, and that's why when that's gone, that's why someone who uh, functions uh, out of uh, that kind of clarity as the Buddha did, whether it's a whether it's a lineage holder, a Dharma teacher, who is realized, uh, are it doesn't mean they don't have fear. Just irritated with something, so that's why it's so difficult because uh, the ego mind thinks, well, you you can't have that kind of thing. Uh, that has to go away because of the assumption that the ego is real and solid and that somehow that's going to be the thing that is enlightened or that, that realizes and is no longer perplexed by anything. When actually it's uh, that which is uh, uh, enlightened is, uh, it does not, it's like saying uh, there is no enlightenment because there's no one to be enlightened. So there's no more, we, you're still involved in the warfare, you still have your karma, you still have this head, these ears, 
you still have a particular disposition to uh, to uh, be lazy, not want to do anything, or you still may still uh, um, do people's uh, voice patterns or something may bother you, or the way certain people function maybe ir may irritate you. To one who is on the path, you're probably trying to get that to stop, trying to be a better person, not have negative thoughts. Whereas uh, one who is uh, awakened is not disturbed by anything. Even, even if they're disturbed, they're not disturbed. So you can't, you can't find a, there's no tail on that bird. There's, there's no relative context for it because there, there is no, because one has realized that. So therefore there's no hope and fear don't work in that area because there's no, there's no success. There's no failure. There's no life. There's no death. And if one is on this path, there's just the, the vow. And so that's how you work with it, the vow to be with all things. Bowing. I was interested in the phrase that I feel like you just said, where the Buddha and the people through the lineage have functioned out of the clarity. Are there beings who are clear that don't function out of it? Unlikely. But then, I don't know. I'm not keeping track of everything. But it's unlikely just because the nature of realization does not support uh, an entity. It doesn't mean the entity isn't there. It doesn't mean the entity isn't throwing a fit. That's why it's so difficult. That's why we, because we think, we, we think if we have negative emotions, uh, then, we, then there's something wrong is wrong here because we're hooked on right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. We're hooked on relative truth. And the frightening thing about it uh, for the self-centeredness for the ego is uh, he, she, they will think, well, I can't, I can't just, I can't, I can't just, um, see what this is. I have to see the uh, the the danger. I have to see. I can't just see that there's no right and wrong, or there's no there's nothing to correct when there's all this horrible stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Is functioning out of clarity? Does that include more than just teaching? The way you're asking the question, I would say, yeah, yes, it's because it's everything. There, there is no, there's no difference between, there's no difference between teaching or taking an app. There's the, the, the differentiation is gone. Mm -hmm. you, you often encourage us to watch you, especially if you're our teacher, to just watch you. Yeah, and watch the watch watch that, and watch the criticism, or watch the attribution, and watch how because I'm your teacher, you have a lot of ideas about what this is, and so by watching, you'll see that I don't line up with anything. I may wear a robe. I have a piece of wood. I'm I helped with your help. We created these forms based on a twenty five hundred year old tradition. One from Japan, one from uh, Tibet. So I say, yeah, watch, 
watch what's happening here and notice the way you don't, you know, you're skeptical of some things I say or do and other things that you think that I'm actually teaching. Have you noticed that? Well, I think, I think Sogazan's really teaching right now. I mean, even though he ran around the monastery with no clothes on, I think that's a teaching. Remember when I did that? Uh, that's because I never did that. And I have no intention of doing that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you wouldn't be invited. <laughs> with an attitude like that, that would, that would be a secret teaching. <laughs> Open secret. <laughs> So what am I what am I really saying here? I mean, this is silly, but what I'm really saying is, one who functions out of uh, not to make some kind of highfalutin statement about it because it isn't any more highfalutin than anybody else. It's not. I'm not separate from anybody. You're not separate from anybody. I see it. You don't. It's like Suzuki Roshi says. I have students. You don't. That's about it. It's not that you can't get students by selling them a bill of goods. There are some teachers that do that, make promises and try to get you on board. And uh, my students uh, aren't that easy to seduce. So. <laughs> At least that's how it looks. Further questions? Any questions? Uh, yeah, go ahead. A question on YouTube from Ben Van Blarkham. Ben, ben who? Van Blarkham. Okay, he's on YouTube. Mm -hmm. How many how many uh, views on YouTube? Right now there's 13 people watching. Okay, so there's 14 here and 13 on YouTube. Is that how it works? Can you add that up really quick? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> he asks, is hope dependently arisen from fear and vice versa? Yeah, very good. Yeah, they're, they're dependent. Hope and fear, success and failure. They're, 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 they're holding hands on some level. Maybe not hands, but they're some kind of a construct that works that way. You can't have hope unless there's fear. You, you can't, vice versa, unless, uh, you can't have fear unless there's some kind of hopefulness that suddenly, the, you know, the protection goes away and suddenly there's fear. Oh no, this is not good. Any questions on uh, that I, of the people I can see here on Zoom that want to ask a question? If you have, if you have one, uh, either speak up or uh, give me the, the secret signal. Go ahead, Kozan. Maybe like Sokwan's question, but does fear or hope have to have a like a referent object or situation? Well, I don't think necessarily. Sometimes we're just afraid and not sure. Have you ever been just afraid and not had any, there doesn't seem to be anything out there or in here, or just some kind of intense fear of something. I've certainly been there a number of times, but I've also been very kind of uplifted and hopeful and things seem so good. And, you know, the birds are chirping and the, and the, the lightning is striking. And, happy things. So there's a relative kind of thing like that that supports, but there might not be any definite strict object in the, in the strict sense of the word, like I'm hopeful because I'm about to get my 
a new job or a new or this this relationship I'm having with this new person is just so good compared to other things that come on. It's dependently arisen. More. With the hope and fear, it seems like a continuum or relative. Is that is, is that fear the same kind of primordial fear of not existing? Well, I think it's tied into that. That the one what you're mentioning, the primordial fear of not existing, probably as a meditator is probably some a aspect of that will probably show up either on the cushion or in your your post meditation, your everyday life situation. If you're a strong meditator, no guarantee of anything, but probably something like that is going to show up. That shows up for people that don't practice at all. The, there's been some great writing, especially by the uh, existentialist writers, uh, early part of the last century. Just a basic angst or discontent with a fear about everything. What is fear? Oh, do I have to explain it to you? <laughs> it's more than just boo. It's, it's, it's a, a, a impermanence that the, the actual impermanence is a, a your self-centeredness or your feeling of being here and being someone along with all of your, your, your homies or your furniture or your dog, you know, the things that you're attached to of them disappearing of you disappearing or them disappearing or them dying or them being suffering. just fear of that. We've talked about the other thing we've talked about in the class uh, during Ango on the, uh, deep consciousness talking about uh, what shows up as that's with a capital a as uh extraterrestrials or aliens of people who have been through that not all of us have been there but some of the people who have been through that are absolutely terrified and who they, and they can't talk to anybody about it because it's taboo to talk uh, about that material so you have to find someone who who's open who you can there are whole organizations mufon is one of them Mutual UFO network. And there's several other ones. Go ahead, Shoka. Shoka buying. Shoka buying. In, in that area, are you getting feedback? I'll send the, uh, the people I'll... that are shaking their heads, yes, are getting feedback. The people that aren't shaking their heads are not getting feedback, or else they don't want to tell you how what they're getting. Um, Shogabang, in the area of extraterrestrials and abductions, yes, many of those people that talk about that experience have an intense fear, but there's also an area that is extremely curious. What is that aspect of the consciousness that is curious or receptive in the midst of intense fear? That's a good one. I, I just think it's a, it's curiosity. It's just intelligence that, that wants to wants to understand or wants to know. So it's uh, that might not be true with with everyone, but it certainly is with some. Just like some people's uh, experience uh, with with uh, aliens or extraterrestrials uh, has a, a scary side, but also can have a really powerful, uh, almost love relationship with that dynamic, whatever that reality is. That might not even be that reality might be a reality that isn't in our physical world 
possible. Although it looks like, not the, the, what I've looked into, it looks like it is. So it's, uh, it's highly subjective from the point of view of experience and highly objective from the point of view of whole lot of people are experiencing this very similar, very, very similar from one person to the next, very similar kinds of things happening to them. And I'm not here to promote anything, but I'm here to uh, uh, encourage you to train your mind to see it, see it yourself. There's nothing to believe, disbelieve, but there's a whole lot to uh, investigate or look into with your with your mind that's not grasping, rejecting, or shutting down. It's difficult. Whole, it can take a whole lifetime to to understand what that is to train your mind to do that. Shokobowing. Is there a way to investigate something when the sense of uh, fear is extreme? Yes, there is. Just look at the fear. Because the fear is what is in front of it. The fear is just a, uh, just a, a real prickly form of uh, ignorance because you, you think there's something threatened. If you don't think there's something threatened, if you don't really feel threatened, I'm not saying it can't trigger some underlying uh, uh, reaction uh, that would, would jump, like if you saw a snake, you would jump, but it wouldn't last very long. If you saw what it was, you see it's a snake, you don't keep jumping. And just like if, you, if you're sitting, or, or you do, you keep jumping. Oh, okay. Ah, a snake, a snake. <laughs> no, you'd say, a snake. Oh, oh, it's a snake. And then you would look and see, is it a nice snake, a mean snake, a rattlesnake? <laughs> and, you know, very similar with uh, uh, the difficulty with the whole situation with uh, so-called so-called extraterrestrials or aliens is they don't give us a chance to for us to relate to them directly. They the way it looks, what I've seen, they, uh, they fool around with our consciousness in such a way that we can't actually have a direct perception or direct seeing of them. It's uh, terrifying. So they tend to kind of drug people up. That's how it looks. I don't know that for a fact. But I think that if, if you were given a chance, people would... Um, there have been a few people who have just uh, not been afraid and have been able to actually chat with them. There's several records of that where they, uh, one uh, fellow was, I uh, can't remember exactly how it went, was actually talking, interacting with uh, someone who was an apparent alien being and it could have, been, could have been part of his consciousness. There's no way to know for sure what that is. And, uh, and you don't need to know. If you meet everything where it's at and if you see that consciousness always finds its own form, uh, if you understand that, you'll stop dividing the world up into all kinds of different stuff. Nothing is threatened. Even even war, even the horrible situation that's going on in politics is not threatened. It's, it's relatively threatened, yes, but but the climate is just as threatening as everything else. Just ignoring that we're on a huge ball of dirt in the middle of nowhere. That is, uh, it's like everybody lives in the same room, and we can't be screwing the thing up. I mean, otherwise it's a 
it's kind of humorous to see that people can actually ignore, you know, pooping on their kitchen table. Basically, <laughs> that's what they're doing. It's meant to be kind of funny, but that's what we're that's what we're doing. We want that oil, so therefore we're going to destroy the very area that our we and our children are living in. Kind of astonishing that people can shut down that much and be that greedy. That's a passion, it's intense greed. And what? What's the basis of that? Fear. Fear of impermanence. Surrounding ourselves with stuff. Hold on. I've heard you kind of saying softly to situations if there's fear. Just relax. How do you do how do you just relax? Watch how tense you are. And you can. You can, uh, uh, you know, if you if you have an understanding of what's going on, you could soothe, you know, talk to yourself and calm down. You could use uh, uh, some kind of a technique to soften things up. That's what uh, a lot of some of the tantric practices or creation completion practices are about deliberately using aspects of the mind, which body, speech, mind, that whole complex and working with it in a, in a very definite way to have access to the disturbance that is there called what? Ego. To work with it in a way that is constructive without being personal, without trying to go in and hammer at it, but just go in and through repetition. Say a white Tara mantra 200,000 times or any mantra. Go ahead. Earlier you were talking about pacify. Um, yeah. It's a way of working with things. What's the difference between pacifying and ignoring? Well, simply put, ignoring, you're turning away, but pacifying, you're looking at the energy that is there, either from this person or from uh, some situation, and you're, you're, you're meeting the energy where it's at, and you're seeing if there's some way without, a, without making it worse, without uh, pouring... Uh, fuel on it without doing somebody you can enter into some aspect of that situation and soften it up. Usually you can find some softness somewhere. Or you go uh, then the other of the three, uh, um, three karmas, which is that's what you're talking about the three karmas pacifying, enriching, magnetizing, destroying, or you find hmm? that four. Well, that was the other three. You're not going to correct me. I'll always have an answer. <laughs> you are correct, my dear. There are four karmas, not three. I stand corrected. So the, the idea there is you, you might not even go into the other ones. You might just pacify rather than saying, let's see, should I, what should I do here? No, you always pacify as far as the pa someone is pacifying uh, in terms of aggression, passion, aggression, ignorance coming from this apparent outside world towards one. Just do that. Calm things down. Don't, don't have something else. Have a, a Colt 45 the gun, not the beer, uh, in your hip pocket. Like, well, if this doesn't work, I'm shooting them. <laughs> <laughs> With this can of beer. <laughs> that is a beer, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> God, it's just, these guys just, if they, they get one little area they can correct me, they're on it. It's a malt liquor. <laughs> Out of here. Okay. I'm good.
<laughs> Did you have a further question about that? No. We have some time if there, yeah, go ahead. Are you, when you, when you Are you fearful about these political situation in this country? Yeah, yeah. I'm fear, fearful, uh, fearful about it, but it's just dependently arisen. You know, I, you hear me sometimes say, you know, if you want to blame somebody or it's not, nobody's really to blame, it's, it's dependently arisen. This doesn't mean you don't hold somebody responsible in their appearance. If you can't, the structure will allow you to do that or set up a way that doesn't add to the damn confusion. Like in terms of somebody has to be punished, that's not a good idea. It doesn't help to do that. It just creates more circles and more dependent origination where who was uh, at once was to blame uh, now gets credit. It's just like I say, what's happening now, a really good example, you can find, go back and find any president. If you go into the political part of it, just go back to Reagan. <laughs> Look what he was doing. I'm not going to go into the political aspect and I'm not a historian. Uh, historian. Are there historians? Is that any relation to a pelican? <laughs> I can't go into the historical aspects of that, but, but he was, uh, you know, uh, much kinder, but still a highly, highly uh, self-centered uh, uh, narcissist. Uh, just a description of somebody. It's not a condemnation. That doesn't mean that he won't pull out of that nosedive at some point as a entity. Yes, sir. Um, kind of reflecting on just the idea of fear and hope being um, like a similar dynamic in if we're if we're not seeing fear or hope, does that mean we're ignoring him? Can you give me an example that must be coming out of some reflection? Is there... So when Unio asks if, if you're fearful about the um, political climate yeah. and you say, yes, it's confusing. Like you were saying earlier, that doesn't meet up my expectation of what I think a teacher would be like because you, you're saying that you're afraid of something. Yeah. So it makes me look here. And when I see that it's not, there's not a particular charge that comes up for me around that situation. So I'm wondering if that means I'm ignoring the texture. Possibly. But, uh, but the, uh, the understanding there that I'm endeavoring to point to is the, is the, uh, is the identity is the issue there, not what's arising. Because what's arising is just, is just arising. And my particular dynamic uh, there is still functioning. I'm still a, uh, an old man who hasn't been young for you know, well over half a century. I was born in, um, when was I born? 1941, long time ago. Uh, who, who, who that person was when I was seven, eight, nine, ten? 10, very, very fearful of everything, very terrified of everything, very, very difficult. I'm not saying everybody else didn't have some similar situation, perhaps. Uh, but so those kinds of things, uh, you, don't get, you don't have to get rid of anything. You don't have to be somebody else. Now, some of that may back off, but you know, you're not a very smart person. <laughs> and also your, your particular, uh, say Buddha family, uh, you want to use that as the style of that is to not look at things. Wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, a little bit. Go ahead. So in a, in a similar vein is my tendency to ignore something I can appreciate. Something that you can appreciate. Yeah, if you're if you're using the word appreciate like I use it, it was it means you're able to give something the space to be what it is. Fix nothing. It's just it's, it's just a lot of energy that goes into meddling with dependent origination. This doesn't mean that you should not have the ability to respond to everything. As far as I'm concerned, if you want to go to blame, everything is your fault. There isn't anything that you aren't you're responsible for. Everything. Feed the world. Save all beings. And, but don't don't do it in such a way that you're doing it so that you'll feel like a person who's doing that. Meet your meet your karma where it is as it shows up day after day in the morning when you get out of bed. Meet if you're meeting the karma where it's at, you won't have any idea what's going to happen the rest of the day unless you're unless what you're meeting is saying you need to make a plan so you'll do this. You need to meet this person here, but the plans are dependently risen. There aren't strategies to try to keep from being unhappy. Or, or to uh, produce a, what is commonly called a uh, beneficial life. That, that beneficial quality comes from uh, not separating yourself from the suffering of the world. And also not getting particularly idealistic about how what a wonderful non-separator you are. There's no identity here, go ahead. It looks to me like I'm not as sensitive to certain things. Some people can notice subtleties and taste or smell that I can't pick up on or doesn't show up. So then when I see someone who even gets upset about something, I kind of feel like I'm missing what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. So what's that desire to want to um, be more like somebody else? It's just, just part of your style. There's nothing to correct there. But something you could watch, it has to do with your self-centeredness. Not, not the self-centeredness, I'm not talking about some kind of insane narcissism that uh, is making everyone miserable. You're not, you're not doing that at all. But still there's, the, there's the, that little kernel of somebody in there who needs things a certain way. And one of the things is they need to be more like that person or they need to be more perceptive. They're, they're, they're not happy with just what's happening. And I'm not saying they need to be delighted but no, no war. That, that's uh, my character, characterization of awakening is no more war. No longer for anything, no longer against anything, other than the vow to be with all things. One who is on the Buddhist path or a practitioner or Bodhisattva path, a Mahayana path, the vow is to be with all things. And that's, that's the practice. And, uh, and that path eventually doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. It just, it doesn't, it isn't a movement necessarily. Is that non-invasive self-centeredness tied into just being embodied? Sure. Very good. It's just like being hungry. You're not bad because you're hungry. Well, I'm bad if I'm hungry, but you're not. <laughs> so... Yeah, we, we, we want a reference point so much that we'll actually try to find some kind of a reference point so we get an idea where we are because we don't like that open dimension. The ego does not like to be in an open dimension because it gets no nutrition. So it will settle for, it'll settle for anything it can, it'll rummage around in its own glove box and try to find some negative thing so that it can sulk or so that it can feel bad. 
I'm not saying I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just saying, notice that. Notice that you're, you're just fine. Things are fine. You get up in the morning. You have your Cheerios. You know, you're, and, you, and you decide that you're going to go out and go for a walk. Or you're gonna, and then, then notice how there's some kind of an attachment to some quality of the mind, the thought process, where we tend to go in and latch on to something. Because that, we, we don't want that open dimension. The ego doesn't want it. The dimension is open. It doesn't have to be open. But the ego mind tends to, because of open fear, because of passion, aggression, and ignorance, because of negativity that has been stuffed instead of, uh, uh, instead of uh, been allowed, you could say, to arise in the awareness without stuffing it or pushing it away or blaming someone. Passion, aggression, ignorance takes a while. Did you? A question from Bhavani. Who? Bhavani. How do I spell it? B H A V A N I. Okay. Bhavani. How to overcome the fear of taking care of aged aged parents? I'll try to respond to that, but it's so it's incredibly situational. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of train your mind. Let's start with you. Uh, train your mind. Don't 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 uh, don't go any longer without sitting down with yourself. If you become a Buddhist or not, that's your business. But uh, since you're asking me that question, I can't say you know to go over. Well, it's simple. Just go over and uh, uh, go up to that piece of machinery and just uh, uh, turn the the nut off from the, the screw and open the door. It's that simple. But I don't tell you that you're gonna need to learn how to use a, a box end wrench to open that. I mean, that's a kind of a dumb, simple, mundane, even a homely example. But I'm saying you're not gonna be able to work with that situation unless, you're, unless you train your mind to see clearly so you don't get duped by your own open fear by your own stupid idea. When I say stupid, I'm saying this is another another word for ignorance is stupidity. We're stupid. It's not a, a, a judgment of something. It's just a, well, it's kind of a judgment. <laughs> but I would say train your mind. And if you train your mind, then it's situational. Then when you get up and you run into the situation where you're where your mom and dad are very ill or whatever is happening there, then, then you're able to meet it in the situation rather than uh, go in there with some kind of roadmap about how to take care of, including mine. I'm not going to give you a roadmap. I'm going to say, you need to find out. You need to, you need to trust yourself. And when I say trust yourself, I, I'm not saying believe in yourself or believe your thoughts. And uh, I would even say it otherwise. Don't believe anything. Don't believe your thoughts. Don't believe your, especially don't believe your feelings. I'm not saying do away with them. I'm not saying push those feelings away or even scold yourself. Those are unreal. Don't say that. Those feelings are real. They hurt. They hurt. What's important? Find out who's feeling it. See if there's someone who actually feels that. See if there's a being, an actual being named Bhavani. Was it about Bhavani? Who's actually has that, is that feeling, is responsible for that, or even has parents. 
if you if this occurs, then you really will be able to meet them where they're at in their difficulty, in their uh, illness or whatever it be. And you'll, and you'll do a thorough job of it because you're not being hoodwinked by your own uh, fear or hope. You're actually seeing this, it's situational. Situational, situa uh, the situational movements don't support a self. And if they're supporting a self, then we're slowly going into some kind of paranoia about right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, success and failure. What I think about what they think about what they're thinking about what I'm thinking and what other people are thinking about what you're not doing a good job with your parents. If you're clear on what you're doing, you, you will just be clear and you will just do what you need to do. And even if other people come along with their opinions, you might be kind to them because people with strong opinions are pretty miserable, but you won't argue with that, with opinions or, or correct them. Very situational. I remember when my mother uh, got cancer uh, and um, was dying. Um, not, not that I'm such a wonderful saint, but I, my mother and I didn't get along so great when uh, years passed, but it was just, uh, it was choiceless. So to take care of her. And so she, she uh, set up a bed in my living room at my house and she, that's where she passed away right there. It wasn't because I'm so kind and it's just, I couldn't do it any other way. It was choiceless to do it that way. And it was probably a good thing for her. So she wasn't all by herself or in a hospital. So you would, you would but that was situational. That's not something I planned thought, well, I'll do this or I'll do that. No, it, was, it rose out of the situation. And if you make plans, the one thing about plans, as you've probably heard me say before, is how do you know it's a plan? Because it doesn't work. Plans don't work. That doesn't mean we shouldn't plan. Of course we should plan, but always notice that the, the boundaries are always fluctuating. Good. Uh, another question from Ben. Yes, Ben. How do we work with fear dependent on delusion? Hmm. How do we work with fear dependent on delusion? It's, it's, that's, that's the way it works. I'm not sure what specific question maybe, but uh, I would just, I'm hesitant to respond this way, but I don't know what else to say is meditate, train your mind so that you can see the nature of the delusion. So you can see the delusion. The Buddha did not awaken to uh, uh, some kind of God realm or some kind of heaven realm. The Buddha awoke to extreme suffering of, of not only of himself, but of his, of his family, of, his, of the world. He saw deeply the, the suffering that people were covering up with their cultural, whatever, mores or, or even religion. He saw it and he spoke that life is suffering because is wanting something else like not wanting to die wanting something else anytime you something is happening you want something else suffering in varying degrees so i would say train your mind so that you can see the delusion so you can see your particular version with your uh, stage props in your life whatever is coming and going uh, i say 
the metaphor I often use is uh, get off stage and get in the front row. Don't leave the theater. And if you and if you feel like you're drawn back up on stage, don't resist. Nothing to correct. Nothing to maintain. Don't maintain your your. Uh, if if uh, objectivity is maintained, it is not objectivity. It's conformity and it's it's blind. Feels like objectivity. To talk with anyone who has an opinion on anything. <laughs> Should we? Entertain any other questions or should we say final question? Is there a final question anywhere in here in the, in the Zendo or someone that hasn't asked a question? Could ask a question that'll make me look really foolish. That would be good. I would invite that. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Cheryl Belling, it's, it's sort of not related to much we've talked about, but just reflecting on how I think you said that your the fear you had at seven or eight isn't necessarily gone anywhere else. It hasn't. But in the teachings, sometimes they talk about Buddha qualities, which seems like there is a, another set of qualities that you would yeah. become or something. So I'm well, you you stop avoiding your Buddha nature. Buddha nature. Everyone is born. Uh, everyone here is your birthright is the Buddha is a is a, a Buddha nature is to be realized, but we come into this uh, uh, into this uh, human realm. Uh, it's like a big school. It's not no one planned this necessarily. And somebody said, you know, how can we train these guys that are maybe we just made to create a human realm for them. It's not, not like it's not silly like that. It's dependently arisen right down from the molecules and the atoms and and I mean look look just look at an eyeball. How 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 would you make an eyeball? You can't do that. You can't make one of those. The intelligence that is operating now can make that altar over there because I told you how to do it. <laughs> I even bought you the paint. But to actually not that we wouldn't at some point be able to make something like an, uh, an eyeball or, or, or possibly make a artificial whatever. Well, they, they're doing things with kidneys and hearts and everything, but uh, might be a while before they actually make a human being. I got a better way of doing that. Made five of them that I know of. <laughs> I think it might have been more that I don't know about. Somewhere in Saudi Arabia. more about that? Tijuana's in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. They probably heard you. I'm not going to repeat what you said because it's, it makes me look foolish, <laughs> which I am foolish. That's how I can do this. Yes. So are those Buddha qualities present at the same time as those fears? Yes, totally. Thank you. Absolutely. You can't separate it. Nothing is separate. The fingers on the hand uh, are separate. They, they're, they're amazing. They can do, you know, the, the first finger doesn't have to get permission from the thumb uh, to point at something. 
is it okay if I point? I'm being silly about it, but I'm saying it's just complete cooperation because, because that's just the way it's set up. And that if you stop operating out of hope and fear by seeing hope and fear, if you stop operating out of passion, aggression, and ignorance by witnessing that and seeing that, then that which witnesses that uh, stops showing up as an individual, even though there's still a body-mind complex that still goes out and drives a car to uh, the store and comes back and uh, gets irritated by uh, people running out in front of the road and the road not crossing on the crosswalk. Still happens. There's no, there's no state of mind. There's a book by D.T. Suzuki called the, uh, what's it called? The Zen Teaching of No Mind. So it's not like there isn't any mind, but that, that would come kind of close to it. There's no state of mind. There's just mind and everything's welcome. It's just a way of talking about it. If everything's welcome, then, then there's, no, there's no paranoia, regardless of what comes in, including irritation or what, what you might have at one time 20 years ago, you might have called depression. This is a difficult area because it's, uh, it, it needs to be realized. You can't actually think it, think about it, although people try to do that. So I think we're going to uh, dedicate the merit and it will be led by who's leading? Jun Chu is going to lead the dedication of merit. And I'm going to sit here. Because <laughs> if I get up, I'll fall off the time. You want to turn this? You know, sure. So they can see Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. 